come, Pastor Holmes. We want you to stand to your feet. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet. Amen. And point your hands in this direction. Lord bless. Pastor Holmes. Speak to him, Lord. Use him, Lord. Empower him, Lord. Anoint him, Lord, with your word for a fresh word for this house tonight. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We shabak you now. We praise you in advance. Let's give God a hand praise tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Now that was good for me, and that's all right. I appreciate it. But now let's whoop it up for Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, you can do better than that for Jesus. I believe that Evangelist Hargett said that the theme of this pastoral is it's all about Jesus. Well, if it's all about Jesus, let's act like it. Come on and let's, let's give him some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I thank God for Jesus because without him, I am nothing. And without him, we can do nothing. But I do want to thank him for this, these wonderful leaders of this great house. I love them. I really love I don't have to see them all the time to love these people. They are so wonderful. Bishop Troy Ingram and Pastor Gloria Ingram. Let's give God some praise for them. Hallelujah. Powerful people of God. Amen. And Evangelist Hargett, she's going to the back now, but let's give God some praise for, for her. I love her. I love her. Amen. She knows my spirit. She knows my heart. Amen. And now let's give yourself a hand clap. Come on for you. And everybody from El Shaddai is not here, but Rella Dina Rogers, my daughter in the faith. She's here with us tonight. Let's give God some praise. Amen. I'm not even going to rebuke her for not giving the welcome address. She got scared. But that's all right. She's faithful and she's reliable. And I thank God for her. And she's growing in the things of God. You may be seated in the house of God. Amen. My wife couldn't make it tonight. She is in her last year of college. And she goes to school on Saturday. And, uh... I was talking to Bishop, and he was talking about, you know, uh, people being, you know, on vacation and him just coming back, and we going through the same thing. I got some people all going to vacation, some people coming back from vacation, some people stuck in vacation. People got to work tonight. I had members call me tonight that the baby did all kinds of stuff on them and they didn't have time to change and all like that. I, I start to tell them, come stinking, God will clean them up. The Lord said, the Lord said, no, don't do that. Don't teach. 
you know, but we just, it just sometimes happened that way. But I told, like I told Bishop, I'm here, amen. And me and God, we're a majority, amen. And I would not miss this for anything in the world. I just thank God for you at Mount Olive House of Prayer and for y'all that came out tonight. I thank God for this house. I thank God for the musicians in this house. Let's give God some praise. Amen. They sound so good. Amen. And we're just honored and privileged to be here. You know, I was reading in the program here that Bishop uh, Troy, his mother prophesied to him at 10 years old that he was going to pastor. I was just reading that right here that your mother prophesied to you. And then I kept reading and Pastor Gloria the call of God was on her life at 15 years old. And she started preaching. Now, y'all under a bishop and a pastor that the call of God recognized on their lives at 10 and 15 years old? And now 18 years of ministry? There is an anointing and there is wisdom and there is and there is leadership and there is glory in this house exuding from these two that God is in that God's hands is on this is a great house because you got great leaders hallelujah and I'm going to tell you something with all, from the bottom of my heart bishop if I was and first, and first lady if I was not pastoring a church right now and God, let me know about y'all. I would be here. I'd be right under your leadership. You See, you got pastors scared to say that. I ain't scared to say it because I know the protocol. And let me tell you something, Bachelors Hargett. Me and you would just have to work hand in hand, neck in neck. We just make sure that everything is all right because I know that this is anointed house. I know the word that's in this house. And you're talking about 15 years old and 10 years old. And then you talk to me. For three hours at a, at, at a, 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 a woman at a spa, at a spa woman's conference at Old Bergen Church. And when we got, when they got finished, we were still talking the word of God. We were still in it. I mean, we had, we, oh man, we did something to Romans 6 that I think the apostle Paul looked over the portals of the banisters in heaven and said, they got it, they got it. Amen. We were, oh man, I, that's why I know this man of God and this woman of God. And I thank God for Pastor Gloria, her and my wife. I, oh, I know, I know you too. Don't think I don't know who you are. I know you can go. Amen. Because at them women's conferences and at the, those sisters pushing ahead, I, you know, I was working there at Old Bergen Church as the janitor, the sexton there, the custodian, and I'd be in and out and, you know, getting the garbage and doing this and that, making sure everything is all right for the ladies there. And man, one day she was up there going. I forgot about working. I forgot about the fact that they was there. And I was, I just stood in the back over there on the side of like, yeah, glory to God, keep it going, woman. Amen. So I thank God for you, you and especially you. I thank God for Bishop. Uh, my brother and I are occupying the same church here in Jersey City on uh, Boswick Avenue. And he 
had his first opportunity to minister for my brother in the same building where we're at. And um, y'all came there and y'all showed up and showed out. And I'm telling you, my brother just like, I mean, I had introduced him before. And my brother's a pastor also, and I wanted him to know this great man of God. But when pastor, when Bishop Ingram came and ministered there, I wasn't there. I had to go to work that night. I had some other things. Co-pastor, my daughter, a lot of things I had to do. So I couldn't be there, but they put it on Facebook. And he said, if God be with you. And he preached that thing. And I said, I'm going to get Bishop. I said, because he preached better for my brother than he did for me. <laughs> but you know what? He rocked that thing so much that my dad... And I didn't know that my dad had knew him. My dad, I told my dad about him many years ago at a church they used to go to when Bishop was there. And then he remembered him. And that's all they talked about for a couple of days was about you and, and Mount Olive House of Prayer. Amen. So guess what? We are family. I got my Bishop and my First Lady with me. <laughs> Let's give God some praise. Amen. We are families, and I thank y'all for allowing me to come out. 18 years. Vangelis Hargan, 18 years. I thought it was 15. Because, I, you know, and I said, my God, where does the time go by? Amen. And we're still going forward. We're still not backing up. Amen. Amen. So I thank God for you, you, and especially you. I thank God for the minister being here tonight. God bless you. It's good to see you again. Let's give God some praise for him. Amen. And that, that's not because your head is shining like mine, but you know what? That counts too, because you got that thing shining, man. Amen. I love bald head people. Amen. I, don't ask me. Don't ask me why. Amen. I just thank God for y'all, and I thank God for being here. Amen. And my wife does send her regards and her love. She couldn't be here tonight. And talking about a preacher, she just came back from Baltimore. Last week, she had to preach over there. And they start inboxing me, texting me, calling me about uh, what she was doing over there. And I called her on the phone as my deacon was bringing her back from Baltimore. And I said, Co-Pastor, why you went to Baltimore and told them people church up like that? She went down there. Y'all talk about that hurricane down in Texas and pray for them. They say she went, she was a hurricane before the hurricane. So she really wanted to be here tonight, but she's in her last year of college, y'all. And I'm backing her. I'm supporting her. I'm pushing her. I'm telling you, I'm so proud of that woman of God. I called myself cooking some steak. She was tired. I took her to school and I cooked some steak for her the, the other night. And, and I was tired, but I said, I know she tired. She didn't get a chance to cook. It had a little bit too much lorries in it. You know what I mean? But the potatoes was all right. And she, I think, I don't know, it tasted all right. But she said, oh, it's good. I said, well, what about the seasoning? So I think she probably, probably was eating it out of love. You know, but it was love. I put all the love I could in it because I wanted her to know I did a laundry. You know, I do. I ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm telling you, I told her, no, no, you going to school, baby. You doing your thing. I'm going to cook. Take, give me your laundry. What else you need done? 
And I like doing those things for her because she has been so good to me. Amen. And I just thank God for the woman of God. If you're a woman of God in here, give yourself a hand clap right now. Because guess what? It's not enough for y'all. Oh, my God. All right. I feel anointing already. Hallelujah. I just want to come and share some things from the Word of God. Y'all ready for the Word? Stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. I mean, like Evangelist Hargett said, we was about to go to the club at this time on Friday night. So, you know, now we're going to party for Jesus. Amen? Amen. I mean, and all of that wasn't getting us nowhere but a one-way ticket to hell. Temporary emotional fixes and all this stuff felt good while you was there. And then later on, you had to pay the piper for it. Amen? But you can come here and spend time here, and afterwards, even if you're a little tired, glory to God, you have invested in someone and in something that you may not even see the dividends of it right now. But when the bills need to be paid, and when the cancer show up, oh, come on, and when the kids running around, and when the marriage messing up, the time that you put in on Friday night is going to cause you to receive the dividends and the miraculous. I feel like preaching already, Bishop. Everybody say it pays to serve Jesus. I'm going to tell y'all something when I'm going to preach about tonight. It pays to let Jesus serve you. He said, I didn't come. He said, I came, came to serve. Amen. He said, he that is greatest among you, let him be the servant of all. Then he put on an apron and been down and washed. Let me tell you something. Peter said, No. Like a lot of Christians. We're going to get into the word, but I'm in it already. Look at your neighbor and say, he in the word already. Peter said, no. Like a lot of Christians, no, Lord. I just want to serve you. That's, that being far from you to, to, to serve and wash my feet. He said, if you don't let me serve you, you have no part with me. Look at your neighbor and say, you better let Jesus serve you. He want to serve you deliverance. He want to serve you healing. He want to serve you finance. He want to serve you wisdom. He want to serve you peace. Say, serve me, Jesus. See, we all the time focus on our love and service to him. But he has a yearning desire to serve you. That's why he went to the cross for you. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Hold your Bibles up in there. Oh, oh, we got a word. Hold your Bibles up in the air like this here. Let's say, this is my Bible. I am what this Bible says I am. And I can do everything this book said I can do. I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. Say it again. Say, I'm a believer of this Bible. And I'm not a doubter. I'm a doer of this book. And I'm not just a hearer. And my life is made the better after I have heard the word of faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you for a life-changing, anointed word that will renew minds, restore peace, cause power to flow by faith in and out of the lives of your people that hear it tonight. Father God, I thank you that you will speak through my vocal cords and think through my mind as this word flows freely, uninterrupted and unhindered by any satanic or demonic force. I thank you that my speech 
and my preaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost, so that the faith of your people will not stand in the words of a man, but in the wisdom of God. Father God, I thank you that I'll take the low road. Jesus, you take the high road. All of you and none of me, none of flesh tonight. I yield myself to you. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up. Let my cup overflow as I pour myself out as a drink offering to your people tonight. Utilize every last ounce of this clay for your glory, for your people. Change somebody. Heal, deliver, open up revelation light to cause people to walk in a newness to gain more to grow tonight. And we thank you for it and praise you for it in Jesus' mighty name. If you agree with that, take your seat and say amen. amen. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians, Galatians, the fifth chapter. And I want, God's been dealing with me about this for a while now. And, you know, it's just, it's overwhelming me. Galatians 5, because. We always talk about our love for Jesus, and that's good. And you know, most of the time we hear about you got to love God, got to love God, got to love God. But God has been dealing with me recently on Him loving us. The the, most of the time. Even Old Testament law, and when you first get saved, you come into church, the emphasis and the focus is on you loving God. I think we should hear some more messages about God loving you and us getting convinced of his love for us. Amen? You know children, it is statistically proven that children that's in a family where they are loved even when they spill the milk, even when they make, they make mistakes, but where they are loved as they're growing up and they are fenced in with love, they learn better. Amen? Where they're encouraged, where they're loved, where, they're sensed to lo- where they sense the love and uh, the parents do nothing but show them love. Families where there's nothing but love. Love is a healer. Love is an encourager. Love causes faith. Look at Galatians 5 with me, and uh, let's look at the sixth verse. Amen. Thank God for the word. In Galatians 5, 6, it says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but what availeth something in Christ Jesus is faith which worketh by love. How many of you need your faith to work a little better. I know I got to have my faith working because there's things that I desire from God. I don't desire God to do things for me that he has not already done because when Jesus said it is finished, everything you would ever need in life from healing to finance to deliverance to marital to uh, occupation job-wise, it was done. It's already done. Look at your neighbor and say, it's already done. 
I believe that if we can grasp this and allow the reality of what God has already done for us. See, we always, anytime you pray and you ask God to do something for you and you're waiting for him to do something for you that he has already done, you're in error and your faith is not going to work. You have to approach prayer and the word of God from the basis and the standpoint that my faith is not going to cause God to produce anything. By his grace, he has already produced it. By his, his grace, he has already healed you. By his grace, he has already provided for you. Your faith is a response to what his grace has already provided. Your faith don't make God do anything. God is already doing. Your faith responds to the the healing that was provided for you 2,000 years ago. To the deliverance that was yours 2,000 years ago. But we need our faith to work, Bishop. Pastor, we need our faith to work. The Bible says faith will work by love. But watch this. For years I've read that verse and I've thought of it this way, uh, Sister Tiana. I've thought of it, I didn't say Tatiana, I said Tiana this time. After all these years, I finally got it right, amen? I'm getting smart. I always read that verse to say, faith worketh by how much I love God, by how much I serve God, by how much I show that you know, I really love God. I really, I put him first place. But I found out something about that verse from studying it out. It's talking about your faith works. Your faith is divinely energized. Your faith and the power of your faith goes to bat against everything that you need to receive from God that's already done by you having a revelation and assessment and an assessment of God's love for you. We are so developed in, I got to love God. I got to seek God. I got to love God. But you don't hear a lot about how much God loves you. Even the song tonight, the song was, was beautiful. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you that I love you more than... See, everything is on, I love you, and that's good. But guess what? You can't love God until you first recognize and understand that he loved you when you wasn't thinking about him. He loved you while you was going to hell. He loved you while you was doing your thing. The Bible said God commended his love toward, toward, uh, toward us and that while we were sinners, not while we were saved. Let me tell you something. God loved you before you came to church one time. God loved you before you picked up one Bible and read it. Oh, yes, he did. God loved you before you fasted one time. God loved you before you prayed. God loved you before you came and shook the the bishop's hand and gave Jesus. God loved you when you wasn't thinking about him, when you didn't know about him. God commended, commanded his love towards us in that while we were stink, rank sinners, didn't want nothing to do with God, God hated us. God was loving us. God was, had us on his mind. He was thinking about how to deliver us. He was thinking about how to save you. He was wooing you in when you had nothing to do with him. So your love 
to God is a response to his love to you first. But a lot of times we're not developed and nurtured in the love that God has for us. But I found out why some people's faith don't work. I found out why in some instances my faith didn't work until I start developing a relationship with God based on him loving me. With that, turn with me over to 1 John. Let's go to 1 John, the fourth chapter. I want to show you something. In 1 John 4, in verse 16, it reads, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Known and believed. Not just known it. See, sometimes we just know about the love of God, but you got to believe the love not the love that you have to God. Read it. It said the love that God has to you. Amen? Everybody say, we're talking about God's love to me. See, even right there, uh, Brother Nico, it sounded a little funny because, wait a minute, that's not right. I'm supposed to love God. See, that's where you're being self-righteous. Oh, yeah. That's where you're missing out on allowing him. Even with the Malachi scripture. Remember the Malachi scripture that said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Said, but you said, wherein? He said, but you have robbed me even this whole nation. He said, but wherein have we robbed you? Said, in tithes and offerings. And I said, God, what are you talking about? They robbed you. He said, well, the tithe belonged to mine. And then he started speaking to me. He said, they robbed me, not only of tithes and offering. It's not about the money. He said, they robbed me when they don't tithe. They robbed me of the opportunity to bless them. He said, I'm not right till I'm giving this out to you. He said, I'm not just about taking. He said, God so loved the world that he gave. He loved you. It didn't say God so loved the world that he took. And he showed me that even when it comes to tithing, we don't understand what's going on. So let's keep reading. Watch this. Hallelujah. In verse 16 again, it says, uh, and we have known, and we have known and believed the love. The love. Everybody say the love. It says the love that God had to us. Everybody say the love that God had to me. Say, say this with me. Say it's not talking about the love that I have to God. It's talking about the love that God has to me. See, you can't love God till you first understand and get saturated in the love that he has to you. When you get highly developed in the fact that God loves you, your faith will work because if he loves you, he's not going to hurt you. If he loves you, he's, if he love you and he sent his son to the cross, he can't pay your rent. If he loves you, if I love you, I don't want to see you hungry and without. If I love you, I don't want to put cancer on you. That's another lie that somebody made up. God put cancer. Where he going? I just I ain't going to get deep into that. But where's he going to get it from? He, he don't have it. What kind of abusive dad beat abusive dad is that? Put cancer on his own children. I mean, come on now, if I took my kids and injected them with cancer, what would y'all think about me? Well, how come you put that on God? I said, how come you put that on God? Stop that. Look at your neighbor and say, don't, don't do that to my father. 
I preached a message Father's Day and it went eight weeks, right, Sister Rella, about the love of the Father and how the Father, how my dad sacrificed and worked two and three jobs. And even when I got in trouble with a grown man and I was a little guy on a paper route, how he stepped in there and the guy was bigger than him and said, now you're now you going to see the real me because, see, I'll give my life. I'll sacrifice everything I have for my child, for my son. Brother, I don't know who you are. He took those papers from that paper route and threw it in that man's face and said, when they come to my son, I'll kill you. He said it like this, y'all. He said, I'll kill you. <laughs> he didn't say, I'll kill you. He said, I'll kill you. Well, that big old guy got up out of there. He said, oh, that man loved his child. If my father would do that for me and sacrifice anything that he had for me and even put his life in jeopardy to save me, why is it so hard that the God of the universe wouldn't become flesh if need be and go to the cross and sacrifice everything he had for you? God loves you. God will sacrifice everything for you. God wants you well. God wants you healed. God wants you blessed. I seen a mother, I'll tell you, I seen a mother fight till the death for her child. Somebody was coming after a child and she had to take a couple of punches here and the guy was wielding a knife, but whatever she had to do to protect her child. Well, when, she, when God manifested himself in, in flesh, came through the womb of a virgin named Mary, he took scars, he took beating. What he had in his mind is whatever I have to do, if I have to get pierced in my side, if I have to get spit upon, whatever I gotta do for my child. Come on, y'all. Take it out of this religious. Well, does sound I know. No, God sacrificed, and I'll do it for mine. I remember working tired, driving down Route 130 because my kids were small, Bishop. Tired at the risk of getting in an accident for a job that really was hard labor, but I was sacrificing my energy, my time, and even my sleep because I had babies that needed to eat. Why is it so far-fetched to think that if you had the means to sacrifice, to give anything for your child, and you had the resources, that it is not, it's so far-fetched to believe that God, who has the resources of all, could sacrifice his supernatural power and strength, manifest himself and, and through the word of God, the seed of the woman, get inside of a woman's embryo, amen, take upon himself flesh as a seed, wrap lungs around him, wrap a heart around around him, spleen and liver while he's inside of the womb of a woman, get born into this earth because that's what it took. If I got to become a man and physical and come out of the invisible and become physical to go to the cross, to die, to remove the penalty for you, I'll do it. And if he could do that, he'll pay your bills. If he could do that, he'll fix your marriage. If he could do that, he'll heal your body. Come on, somebody, put your hands together up in Mount Olive and give God some praise. Look at your neighbor and say, that's the kind of God I serve. Oh, oh okay, now sit down, y'all scaring me. I got to watch him because he, 
he so anointed, I, I stop right here and just start shouting. I will. I have done it. But, but don't start nothing. Now, now watch this. I, I ain't going to keep you long, but I'm going to feed you. I will not come in Bishop's house here at Mount Olive House and Prayer and not give you a word of God. Amen. You're too precious. Amen. You king's kids. I honor him because he loves you. He crazy about you. He think about you. What is man that thou art mindful of him? You're on his mind all the time. See, we have to see ourselves the way he tells, the way he sees us from the word. Look, 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 look here. Hallelujah, I better get down in here. Oh, my God. I could stay there on, uh, uh, okay, it said, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love Casteth out fear, because he that, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in the love that God has for him. See, when you got people walking around here afraid, afraid of judgment, they don't have boldness in the day of judgment, they scared. They don't have a revelation of how much God loves them. You don't have perfect love. God has perfect love. His perfected love, when you get a revelation of it, when you get a revelation of his perfect love for you, fear got to go. That word fear there means torment. It means afraid of judgment for some things you've done wrong, condemnation. You have to allow God through the spirit of God to show you his perfect love and receive his perfect love for you in that he went to the cross and he removed the curse and he removed the condemnation. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Then the next verse said, for he came not into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved from condemnation. There is therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. But fear has torment. It torments you about you're going to be judged. It torments you about God is mad at you. It torments you about to curse. You know, I thought something that I shouldn't think. Uh, about six months ago, I thought a very bad negative thought. I know none of y'all have never done that. I'm just saying that, you know, I haven't said me. You know, if I was to ask you, what did you think bad today? Come on. Okay, well, okay, we clear on that then. But say, Pastor, saw something bad. Oh, y'all don't think, oh, y'all scared to say it. Say, Pastor, saw something bad. Look, I ain't going to get up here and act like I'm Jesus Christ because I ain't. <laughs> That's not good English, but I ain't. A bad thought came to my mind, something that never happened to you. But anyway, <laughs> and I didn't like that. You know, I got the Holy Ghost. I said, just start feeling bad for it. Then I'm repenting and asking God over and over again because I didn't like it. The first indication that I'm saved is that thought that I thought before I got saved, it wouldn't have been a problem, you know. Try to make the thought come to pass, you know, when I was out there sipping and dipping, smoking and joking and all that other crazy crap that was leading me somewhere that didn't mean nothing. That's why I'm saved right now, filled with the Holy Ghost and pastor right now and free as a jaybird in Jesus, hallelujah. But anyway... I was all over myself. 
God, what is that? You know, I'm sorry, oh God, please forgive me. I said, maybe I should fast. And then one day God just stopped me and arrested me and all of that mess. And he said, stop that. I mean, it wasn't an audible voice, Nico. He said, what, what, what's the matter with you? I said, Lord, I feel bad. And listen what God told me. He said, somebody died for that. He said, the punishment that that thought carried, and I didn't do the act, but the th- he said, somebody actually was penalized and punished for that. He said, a man actually died for that that you beating yourself up over. He said, you better get over it and recognize that there is therefore no condemnation. I have redeemed you from the curse of the broken law. Not only did I fulfill the law and keep the law, I took the penalty for the law. And even if I wanted to judge you and punish you for that, I can't do it because I already did it to Jesus. I said he said he already did it to Jesus. I said he already did it to Jesus. And let me tell you something about the law of double jeopardy. He can't punish Jesus Christ Jesus Christ twice for the same thing. He's not coming again to die on a cross. He already bore the sins of many. You say, are you giving me a license to sin? No, I'm not. I'm just telling you, you might as well go on because that thing is paid for. Even if you're beating yourself up over it, it has been punished and taken care of through Jesus Christ. And and you'll never be judged of it. They have something called the law of double jeopardy. And God... I'm going to tell y'all something else too before we go any further. We're going to go further. But guess what? It wasn't just God's mercy that delivered you and forgave you. Oh, well, God forgave me. No, you didn't escape anything. No, somebody actually, it was God's righteousness that delivered you. God's righteousness in Jesus Christ, the demands of justice really had to be met. No, you really was going to hell. Amen. You really was getting ready to get done. It wasn't just, oh, I love you, I forgive you. No, I love you, I forgive you, and there's mercy. But guess what? You didn't escape anything. Somebody literally went to a cross, died, took wrath, took punishment for you. It don't exist no more. I'm telling you, the price is paid. Paid in full. Look at your neighbor and say, paid in full. That doesn't mean that somebody said, well, are you preaching a grace message that you can just do anything? No, the Bible tells me the grace of God that bringeth salvation appears to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness. It didn't say, I got to beat you down and tell you about your sin and tell you to stop. No, you get under the grace and start hearing about how much God loves you, and grace will show you how to deny it. Grace will show you how to get rid of that. Grace will clear you from that stuff. Not me beating you down and bringing up your faults. Grace is not a curriculum. Grace is not a subject or a topic. Grace is a person. The Bible said the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Everybody raise your right hand and say, Jesus is my grace. Hallelujah. Now look at the next verse here in 19. Watch this. Hallelujah. Verse 19 said, there is no fear in love. Perfect love 
Oh man, when you let that perfect love, you get consumed with it. You hear messages on it. You let bishop and pastor keep preaching it to you. You listen to CDs. You read about it. You read about how much God loves you. It'll drive out fear. Many years ago, I did time, prison time. Oh, y'all looking at me a little funny right now. Everybody say, pastor was in jail. But look, some of y'all are scared to say it. This guy was six foot eight. His arms was bigger than these chairs right here. And I was a gung-ho. God had delivered me while I was on bail. And before I went back in there, you know, everything changed. I thought I was going to go in there like my cousin to get a reputation and come out and say, yeah, yeah, yo, I went to prison, yo. I did prison time. All the ladies going to like me, man. God said, yeah, I got something for you. He stripped all that mess out of me, and I became a man of God. Went back in there, and I started, I, I just, I, I fell in love with Jesus. And he just consumed my whole life. And I wanted everybody to have this. And this guy didn't like it. You always going around telling people about, it ain't all that. Who you think you is? You talking about you, the righteousness of God. He was big. Six foot eight is on. And I, I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to tell you something right here. I said, I'm not afraid of you. He said, well, you need to stop. You trying to give out tracts, coming around in the mess hall, telling people. I said, did you hear me? You don't scare me. Then I looked at his hand. I said, man, I better take that back. He had big old But I looked at him. I said, you don't scare me. I said, how could I be afraid of you? I love you too much. I said, I care about your soul, man. I said, I ain't letting you go to hell. He said, he, that big old guy, he turned, he, he changed his whole tune. Oh, man, shut up. Don't let nobody hear you say that. I said, I don't care who hear me. I said, God loved me and he changed me. And I said, I'm going to tell you something. He sent me here to let you know that I can't be afraid of something that I love. I said, I love you too much. Broke that guy down, preached to him for half an hour. He started weeping and crying, telling his whole story. Then got him saved. Then he was going around on the compound. But he was forcing people to get saved because he was big. <laughs> <laughs> but he was saved, though. You know, he came up to me. Everybody say, the love of God works. He came up to me. One day he said, man, he had tears in his eyes. You should see, he's a beautiful, I think he's pastoring down in Camden somewhere right now. The last I heard, he was pastoring. And this guy had a lot of time. He came to me one time, he said, man, let me tell you something. If anybody mess with you while you're doing your time here, he said, man, you just call me. I ain't going to say his name. I said, bro, if you couldn't do nothing to me, why do you think I would need you to protect me against somebody. I said, the same God that protected me against you is going to protect me. Come on, y'all. Let's give God some praise up in here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. It says, now watch this. It says, we love him. Why do we love him? Oh, there we go. You got to receive it from him first. You cannot 
adequately or accurately love God unless you first receive, know, and believe the love that he has for you. You got to allow God to love on you. You got to get a revelation of the love that he has for you. Amen. The Bible said the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. The way that the, the love of God got shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost is first you receive the love that he demonstrated for you on the cross. But now as Christians, we think now we're saved. All we have to do is love God, love God, love God. No, no, no. Let him keep loving on you. Keep hearing and believing and knowing about the love of God. Let's go a little bit further. Come on. Let's go over to the book of John. Let me show you something. Oh, this is good. Watch this here. Are y'all getting something out of this? Look at John. Uh, uh, let's start over there at verse 13. Hallelujah. A couple of minutes here. Look at John 13. And let's look at verse 23. John 13. Yeah. 13 verse 23. And it reads like this. It says, now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. One of his disciples whom Jesus loved. All right, let's look at John 19. Gospel of John, let's look at, verse, at chapter 19, and let's look at verse 26. It says, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing whom he, talking about Jesus, loved, he saith unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. Pay close note, said when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved. The disciple standing by whom he loved. Okay, let's go over another chapter here, uh, chapter 20. Let's look at verse 2. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Say whom Jesus loved. Okay, let's go one more. Chapter 21. Let's look at verse 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved. Not who loved Jesus, whom Jesus loved. Said unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard uh, that it was the Lord... He girt his father's coat unto he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. Now, John is referring to himself when he says the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I read these verses for years until I got a revelation that John, like, who is this writing about the disciple whom Jesus loved? And I found out that was John writing about himself. John had a revelation that Peter didn't have. Peter boasted about his love for the Lord. And anytime you boast about how much you love God, how much you love God, and don't allow God to love you, you can mess up. Oh, come on, follow me here. He said, Lord, I, look, he said, I, I'll never deny you. He said, Peter, he said, before the cock uh, uh, crow thrice, you shall deny me twice. Peter said, Lord, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. He said, I'll never, he boasted, I love you, God. 
How many people say that? Oh, God, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. God, I have you. And see, when you are boasting about God's love for you like Peter did, you can wind up denying him. John never boasted about how much I love God, but he had a revelation of himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He said, God loves me. Get up in the morning and say, God loves me. God really loves me. Let me tell y'all something right now. God loved him some Pastor William Dennis Holmes. All of y'all run a close second. Amen. But he loved him some me. Amen. He is crazy about me. Oh, come on. Don't get mad at me. If John can do it, I can do it. See, people say, well, God loves everybody. Jesus loved everybody. No. Yeah, he does love everybody. But see, John knew it. Huh? John knew it. And let me tell you what happened to John. Jesus entrusted his mother. First of all, there was no other disciple there at the cross except John. Because he knew that Jesus loved them. And if Jesus loved them, even though they're trying to destroy every disciple or apostle that walked with him, nothing is going to happen to me, even though he's on that cross because he loves me. So John was there at the foot of the cross. Everybody else was scared. Y'all saw it. You saw the passion of Christ. Peter ran. Judas hung himself. Come on. Hello. But John was right there. And then not only that, Jesus entrusted. You want Jesus to entrust some things to you? He entrusted his mother, his physical mother on this earth. He entrusted him to John. He said, woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. He says, John, I am entrusting my mother to you. People who know and have a revelation that God loves me will allow Jesus to entrust some things to him, to, to them. He'll entrust you with some healing. Amen. He'll entrust you with some precious things. He'll entrust you with wisdom. He'll entrust you with revelation. He'll entrust you with finance when you know that he loves me. Amen. They threw this guy, according to uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and according to Joseph's historians, John was the only apostle that died a natural death. I mean, it should be that way because he knew he loved me. He wasn't, oh, I love you, God. No, no. He said, God loves me. He said, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. When y'all leave this place tonight, say, boy, that pastor preached tonight. That pastor whom Jesus loved preached tonight. I'm the pastor whom Jesus loves. I get up in the morning and I tell myself, Lord, I thank you that you love me. And when, when I have to face difficulty, situation in life and, and on the job and in, in, in my church and everything, I just remind myself, Jesus loves me. You see, the kids, they did a survey and statistically they found out that when kids were saying, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, they are weak but he is strong. When, when the kids that were saying that, they advanced further in life. They had healthier lives because they had revelation that Jesus loves me. See, faith worketh by you knowing how much God loves you. Faith worketh when you have a revelation. They threw John in a pot of water, a, a pot of boiling oil. Threw him in there, man, to kill him. 
They could not kill this guy. Why? Because he had a revelation that Jesus loves me. See, when you know that Jesus loves you, your faith will work. Amen. When you know that Jesus loves you, then you don't have a sense of condemnation or guilt behind something that happened 35 years ago or what somebody did to you. Amen. When you know that Jesus loves you and you, and, and, and you know that he's not holding anything against you and there's no, con there's no condemnation, there's no guilt, you're not walking around in any fear of what's going to happen to me. You're, you're not walking around in any fear of the doctor said six months to live. You're not walking around here in any fear of, well, I'm not going to be able to make it through this situation. Jesus loves me. I am the, touch yourself and say, I am the person. I am the man. I am the woman whom Jesus loves. Now look at your neighbor and say, Jesus loves me. Say, I don't know about you, but he loves me. And everything is all right. Come on, let's give him some praise for that. Amen. Turn over to Mark. Faith worketh by love. Give me a couple of minutes here. Faith worketh by love. Your faith is divinely energized. Your faith will work automatically when you get a revelation. Daddy loves me. They padlocking your door. He loves me. You ain't got, a, you ain't got money in, in your pocket for gas. He loves me. See, when you do that and you know he loves you, if he loved me, he going to care for me. Look at this here. It said, he that spared not his own son. As a matter of fact, let's go there. Wait a minute. Before we go to Mark, let's go over there to uh, Romans 8. Look at this here. Look at Romans 8. I love this word, y'all. I'm telling you, this thing is revolution, my, revolutionizing my life. I get up in the morning and... I can love God. See, the Ten Commandments, Jesus was under Old Testament law. Y'all didn't know that, did you? New Testament did not occur until Jesus died, buried, and resurrected. Come on. Hello? Hello? Amen? It couldn't have been New Testament because Jesus had not died yet. Jesus wasn't buried yet, can we? He didn't resurrect yet. It couldn't have been no New Covenant until, so he had to operate on the Old Testament law. That's why when them Pharisees brought that woman to him, I don't know why they didn't bring the stink man. It probably was a Pharisee that she was with. When the woman that was caught uh, in the very act of adultery, they brought the woman. They didn't bring the man. Big old hypocrite preachers. Oh, if I was there, I probably would have. No, I wouldn't have. Lord, I thank you that you love me in the name of Jesus. I was thinking about busting one on the head. They knew he was operating. He was operating on the Old Testament law. He said, the law of Moses said, she's caught in the very act. The law of Moses said, let me say it like, like, like I, I envisioned it in my mind the way they said it. The law of Moses sayest, what dost thou sayest to Jesus? Jesus got down on the ground and started writing on the ground. Then he got up and he said, okay, y'all want to bring the law to me? I'm the one who made the law. I'm the one who wrote the law. Y'all don't know who I am? I came down here to deliver you, you hard-headed numbskulls. He said, but, and then he hurled the whole fury of the law at them with these words. Since y'all want to bring law to me trying to catch me. See, because if he had have said, 
went against the law of Moses and said, don't stone her, then they would accuse him of breaking the law of Moses. And then he's preaching grace, message, and forgiveness. Amen? And that would have confused people if he, if, if he wouldn't address the fact that, what are you going to do with this lady? You preaching forgiveness. You preaching grace. Over here, they saying you're going against the law of Moses. So what is he going to do? He rolled on the ground. The ground wasn't dirt. People think it was dirt. But the temple ground was stone. He didn't, whatever he wrote, I don't know, but I know that it wasn't dirt. Like you could write your name in the dirt. The temple, if you study it out, it was stone. He wrote on stone to signify the first time I wrote on stone was when I came off of the mountain with Moses and I brought the Ten Commandments. Now, I'm the one who incorporated law. And now you're going to bring it to me? He hurled the fury at that law at them and said, he that is without sin, cast the first stone. And from the eldest until the least, they walked out of there. They, they walked away. And then he looked at one, that woman and said, where's your accusers? He says, does many, any man accuse you? She said, none, Lord. He said, now, because I don't condemn you and you're free from condemnation, because I'm going to the cross in a couple of days to free you and take the judgment and the penalty for your sin. I, in a couple of weeks from now, I'm going and I'm going to free you. He said, because you're not condemned, now you have the power to go and sin no more. See, you don't have the power not to sin while you're still under condemnation and guilt and you think God is trying to kill you. But once you get a revelation that he died for me, once you get a revelation that he took the wrath that I deserved, once you get a revelation that he's no longer mad at me, that he's not trying to hurt me, that he's not trying to kill me anymore. Freedom from that law and from that guilt gives me the power to not even want to go back to that nasty sin because I'm free now. Let's give God some praise right here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Watch this. Romans 8, look at verse 32. Verse 30, uh, starting at verse 32, said, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up. Delivered him up where? Up on that cross. Delivered him up on that cross for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, wait a minute now. <clears throat> if God delivered Jesus up on the cross for you, and Jesus was the best that God had, this is his son. If he gave up the very best on the cross for you, for him not to heal your body would value, after he gave up Jesus on the cross for you, the best that he had, for him not to heal your body would say that God is valuing sickness more than his son Jesus. Come on, follow me here. If God can't cause you to come out of financial trouble to heal your body, to fix your marriage, to get you a better job, come on, to give you peace, wisdom. And he gave up the best that he had on the cross, but now he can't fix your marriage. Then he's, that would mean that God has an assessment and a value of that bad marriage more than Jesus. But that is not true. 
He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not freely give us all things? Everything you need is in Jesus. Jesus is the best that God had. If he gave up Jesus for you, you mean to tell me he can't take care of cancer? Get the heaven out of here. <laughs> Watch this. Let's keep going. I didn't cuss. Somebody, I remember, no, it wasn't Sister Rella. I said that in my church uh, one Sunday, and it was one of the mo uh, mother. She looked at me like, I said, show me where I said, uh, where, where I said a curse word. I said, get the heaven out of here. I said, now, I'm going to tell you something else. Shut the front door. <laughs> well, I didn't cuss. Wait, tell me what I said, Bell wrong, and shut the front door. Well, no curse words in that, was it? All right, I'm good. I didn't cuss, Pastor. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. Watch this, y'all. Verse 33. Who, oh my God, here we go. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. What, who can lay something to your charge now when he justified you? Well, they talking about something I did 10 years ago. The devil, the accuser of the brethren, is always trying to remind you of something wrong you did. Trying to put you under the guilt. God wants you to know that he loves you tonight. I don't know who I'm talking about, but come out from under that condemnation. Come out from under that guilt and get free so your faith can work. Your faith needs to work up in here. Not saying it ain't working, but come on here. Nobody can lay anything to your charge of God's elect because it is God that justified. Let me tell you something. That wasn't just you escaped, like I said before. No, somebody actually died for you. Somebody literally stepped in your place and took the penalty. Let the reality of that saturate your thinking now because if that thing is paid for and if that thing is already taken care of, there's no curse or no punishment coming at you. God showed me, he said, I can't judge you. I cannot punish you. He said, because I punished Jesus. This is not a fairy tale or some biblical story that we're just biblically watching a movie or just up here preaching and saying words and we've become so familiar with them. No, somebody literally took wrath. You're beating yourself up. Well, what about, well, what, what's going to happen? I messed up. What, what's what's going to happen to me? Nothing. Nothing is going to happen to you. If, if it's not going to come from God, there are consequences for sin. Sure, there's consequences, but let me tell you something. It's not coming from God. He can't judge you again. He's not going to judge Jesus and let him go through, because Jesus really and truly took your place. See, the reality of that, even your mind fights it right now because something you want to say, well, what about when I mess up? Well, what about when you do mess up? It's paid for. Just because hey, you think that when you messed up is when God found out about it? <laughs> Do you think when you made the mistake, that's when God found out about it? Look at your neighbor and say, duh. duh. God knew you was going to sin before you did it, but he loves you so much. Even, listen, the Bible said even if you're unfaithful, he remains faithful. He remains reliable. He knew what was going to happen before you did it, and he paid for it before it happened. Come on, let's give God some crazy. Cra he paid for it, Pastor. 
Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I don't beat myself up no more. Jesus paid for it. I'm going forward. Glory to God. Somebody said, well, he's the God of the second chance. I heard somebody. I heard somebody else say, no, he ain't the God of the second chance. He's the God of another chance. Because if he's the second chance means there may be a third or fourth. I don't go by second, third, and fourth. I go by he's the God of another chance and another chance and another chance. Amen? We don't play a nine-inning ball game. We play till I win. Give God some praise. Come on. We play till we win. It's a done deal. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a done deal. Come on, let's get through here. Verse 34, who is he that can condemn you? It's Christ that died. Yea, not only that he died, but rather that is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also, after all of that, now he's making intercession for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now watch this automatically. Like I used to think years ago, who shall separate me from the love that I have for Christ? Well, there are a lot of things separated me from the love that I had for Christ years ago. That's why I've had uh, uh, times in my life that I was low in my faith. Amen. And I was separated from the love of Christ. As far as my love for him, it gave out until I find out that this is not talking about my love for Christ, this is talking about who shall separate me from the love that Christ has for me. His love never fails. He'll never stop loving you. You need to get a revelation that he always loves me. Whether I mess up or whether I don't mess up. See, that's why I have such a relationship with my kids when I came back into their life. Because I found out that I wasn't just stinging them for every little wrong thing they did. And some things I saw that I just wanted to tear into them. And scold them and let them know that is wrong. I don't want them going down that path that I did. But God reminded me one time when I was about to really let my daughter have it for something she did. God said, what did you do? My daughter had a baby at 16. And she came in the house. A homeroom sweetheart. She came in the house. And, uh, you know, she didn't want to tell us. She was scared. She was asking all, it's, a, it's amazing how they start asking you all these questions and you don't have a clue as to what's going on. You know, she's bringing home these little baby dolls with all these abortion DVDs and stuff. She's bringing home from school and I'm like, wow, she's really learning about abortion prevention. And uh, well, that's really nice, yeah. She was the one pregnant. I had no clue. And then... One day, me and her got into a big argument because, you see, I had abandoned my family for a couple of years when they were young, and God dealt with me and brought me back while they were young. Amen? And so when I came back, there was issues there because I wasn't there for a while. So there were some arguments and there was some, I had to grow. I had to find out that I couldn't go back in there and say, I'm dead, you just know. I had to earn and so I went back in there, and she, got, she came in there pregnant, and I'm standing in the Word of God. I'm under my pastor. My pastor is getting my marriage and everything back. See, I, I'm telling you, I'm a pastor that I keep it real. I got to tell you about stuff that works. See, I ain't talking about this stuff. We just get up here and preach a good message. Oh, I never did nothing. I'm the holiest pastor in the world. I, I've never had a bad man. If somebody do get up there, I'm a holy pastor. I've never sinned. Y'all run. Run, Forrest. Run. Get up out of that church. Well, ain't nobody all that. Now, I don't know who that old guy is, but I use his testimony to get other people delivered. Amen. 
But anyway, she came to me, and the Lord said, you better not dare even think about judging her or criticizing her. He said, because I delivered you, and I brought you out. And the reason why she came to us is because me and her got into an argument, and I said, I was just saying it. I didn't know what I was saying. I said, even if you, which this really was beyond me that this would happen. I said, Didi, even if you was, ever got pregnant, I, would, I still love you. The next day she came and said, Dad, I got to tell you something. I'm pregnant. I said, I was just, I told myself, I, said, I was just saying that. I didn't know. <laughs> I, I just, oh, man, I'm telling you, that's what I said, Lord Jesus. And then I told her, I said, I don't care what you did. I don't care the mistakes. Who am I to criticize and condemn you? Because she was afraid to me, of me to tell me that. I said, I'm with you. I said, let's go take the BJ's card. Let's get the Pampers. Let's start going, setting your room up for the baby. I said, I'm in your corner 100%. I said, God loved and forgave me. I said, baby girl, I don't like what happened, and it happened. I said, but I got your back. Your dad is here, and me and mama going to make sure. Well, she came yesterday. She'll be graduating from grad school. She's in Rutgers grad school last year. She'll be graduating from Rutgers grad school next year with a degree. Amen. Hallelujah. When I got saved, I got saved in 1981. And um, I was in trouble. <laughs> I wanted to be a follower. You know what? My cousins were Muslims, and I named myself Saladin. I don't even know what Saladin means. <laughs> but you know, they said, you know, you have to name yourself. You know, now I come from Jesus, only Bible way, Bishop Huey Rogers, you know, Jesus, everything Jesus, Jesus only, baptized in Jesus' name, Jesus, Jesus, every day, Jesus. God, my father, we couldn't even get in the shower in the morning. Because my father would be in there preaching his sermons before he go to work in the shower. That's the kind of home. My mother on her knees praying, tongues, everything, prophesying. I prayed for St. Anthony's basketball team. My mother would take prayer cloths and pray over and put them on my shorts. I said, Ma, she said, it'll get you some points. <laughs> you'll, score, you'll, you'll score some points. She said, take Jesus. Well, I said, Ma, you know, that's why I was raised. Everything was prayer. We prayed over our food. You know, and we, we messed up, man. I'm telling you, when my dad came in that house, everybody act innocent and holy. And we wasn't innocent and holy. We was bad. Amen. Even my friends would act holy. Didn't know nothing about Jesus. When my dad came in that house, they, hallelujah. Amen. I told one of my friends, I said, where you get that word from? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But I was ready, and now I'm calling myself Saladin didn't even know what Saladin meant. They took me up to a mosque one time. My friend, my cousin, I was following my cousin. He told my father, Uncle Willie, Uncle Willie, I am going to convert him. And he ran from my father because my father was going to beat him up in the name of Jesus. It probably wouldn't have been in the name of Jesus, but he was going to beat him up. And so I hung with him. And we went up into a mosque one time. They said, take your shoes off. I was drunk, half drunk, weeded up, whatever. They said, take your shoes off when you come in here. 
all of my righteous indignation came up. Now, I wasn't even in the church saved or nothing, but they, what they raised me and came up out of me. All of the religion came up out of me. I said, let me tell you something. My Bible says that the only holy ground was the ground that Moses was on, and Jesus ain't up in here. I ain't taking my... They said, we're going to kill him. My cousin said, shut up. Y'all help me. My other friend said, get him up out of here. They want to kill him. I went up in there and started telling them about Jesus. What liquor in me? Because that was up in me. And so I got in trouble. And uh, my father came to me one day, hanging with my cousin, the Muslim. You know, this young thing. Everybody was a Muslim back then. You know. (laughs) As a matter of fact, you know what his name was? Messiah. He said, I'm the Messiah. He didn't know what he was saying. That's why when I hear Jay-Z and people talking about Jehovah, I'd be like, you, it's obvious this guy don't know Jesus or the Bible at all. He calling himself Jehovah. Do you know you can't? Do, do you know what Jehovah did? You don't come near carrying any of the attributes of Jehovah, Jay-Z. Jay, you are right. God bless you. You know what I'm saying? I ain't kicking no dirt. But you are not, until you die on the cross, buried and resurrected, until you can walk on water, until you can split the Red Sea, baby, until you can open up blind eyes, Jay-Z, until you can heal women with issues of blood, don't you fix your mouth to call yourself no Jehovah. I rebuke Jay-Z in Jesus' name. Up out of here. Look at your neighbor and say, get up out of here. Hey, he must don't know what's going on. You better be, he better be careful calling yourself Jehovah. That thing will backfire on you. But anyway, my dad came to me. And we're going to get ready to close. I want to do a little bit more reading. Y'all all right? Everybody cool? Y'all listening to me? Give me a little bit more time. Here's Friday night. Don't worry. I, ain't nobody going to the club, buddy. <laughs> oh, y'all don't got, who going to the club? Pastor? I know ain't nobody here going to no club. <laughs> no, I'm only playing. They're not be going to no club after all. Let's go preaching. Let's give God some praise. Come on. There ain't no club. And you know what? Let me tell you something. If you was going to the club, Jesus is going to the club with you, and you ain't going to enjoy it because he still loves you. Come on, and let's get He still loves you. If he was with you before you were saved in a club, he'll be with you in the club now. But I want you to know, if you go to the club, if you go to the hotel, wherever you go, Jesus is going with you. Because guess what? He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So he's going to be with you till the end of the world. So you'll never get rid of him. Come on here, brother. I know I'm preaching good, bro. Hey! My dad came to me, Bishop. He came to me, and he said, I'm all stressed out. I'm worried. I'm on, they, they trying to get me. He bailed me out of jail. I'm, I'm, I'm like 18, 19 years old. I'm trying to, I don't know what's going on. My cousins are telling me I'm going to come out a thug. Don't worry. You go in there. I was in Railway. You come out a thug and all like this. And I'm stressing out. I don't know what's going on because I did something that was so stupid listening to them. And, uh, you know, it was really dumb. And uh, my dad came to me and he said, you should go, go to church. And man, I had this image of the church people as condemnation people that talk about people, you know. And I told him, I said, oh, now I respect my dad, but my face changed. I couldn't look at him. And I said, I don't believe him. Is he crazy? That's not going to help me. How could he say that to me? I really felt insulted. 
He said, go to church. He said, you should go to, then I said, dad, can I keep it real with you? I said, man, them people judge people. I said, you think I would go there? I said, why would you say that to me? This is why I'm saved to this day. He looked at me and the love of God came out of him. And he said, them people, Dennis, because my name is Dennis. My, that's what my, my street name is Dennis. He said, Dennis, he said, them people, they love you. He said, Mother Smith, he said, uh, Minister Meadows, he said, they, they care about you, they talk about you, they ask about you all the time. He said, that, they, they're always asking me, how's he doing, is he gonna be? And when he said that, when he said they love you, I tell you the God's honest truth, all of that anger, all of that uh, thinking that they was talking about me and all that stuff, it melted away. And I put a smile on my face and I felt such a warmth come over me when he said they love me. And his whole face changed. And because of that, that day I went to my closet. Now I still had to go through time. You know, God didn't move that. You know, but I went to my closet and got me a suit. And I've been going to church ever since because I had a new revelation that God loves me. When he told me about, and it just changed my whole life. It wasn't a big sermon. It was the love that God had to us. Hallelujah. Let's give God some praise right there. Okay, we're we going to, well, watch this here. Verse 35, it said, who shall separate, let me tell you something. Who shall separate us from the love that Christ, nothing can, tribulation, I don't care how much tribulation you're going through. It can't stop God from loving you and bringing you out. And if you know that Christ loves you, your faith will work. Faith worketh by you knowing God loves you. So therefore, you'll come out of the tribulation because your faith is working because you know why you're going through the tribulation. What did it say? It said, tribulation and tribulation, Christ loved me. In distress, Christ still loved me. Persecution, Christ loved me. Famine, poverty, I ain't got no money. Christ still loved me. He'll give me the money. Nakedness, peril, sword, what do you think got Paul out of all of that stuff? Shipwreck, false brethren, journeymen, beat with rod five times, uh, uh, in all kinds of turmoils, perils in the sea, perils on the land. How do you think they left him for dead one time when he got revelation? What do you think kept Paul alive? Knowing that Christ loved me and knowing that his grace, his favor that I don't deserve, that I can't earn, is sufficient for me. That's what kept Paul going. And that's what's going to keep you going. He loved you. I don't care what they're saying about you. He loved you. I don't care what the doctor said. He loved you. I don't care what the bills say. He loves you. I don't care how much distress. I don't care how much tribulation. Look at verse 36. It said, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted, Bishop. I think I heard you preach this, Bishop. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. No, you look like, and they account to you that, look at you, you going to sheep for the slaughter. He said, but the next verse says nay. Everybody say nay. Look at your neighbor and say, nay means no. No what? No, we're not sheep for the slaughter. It said no. And all these things, we are more than conquerors through our love for him. No, through him that loved us. You're more than a conqueror because he loves you. Amen? 
Everybody say, I am more than a conqueror because I know he loves me. See, your faith is working right there. Your faith is working right there. Faith workers by love. Let's keep going in this here. It says, for I am persuaded. See, I have a revelation that he loves me. See, just like my dad. I got a revelation that he loves me. I don't care what happens. He has always been there for me. I'm always there for my son, regardless. I'm always there for my daughter, regardless. They are persuaded of my love. She proved that she was persuaded of my love when she came to get that money on Wednesday. <laughs> and I gave it to her. I guess I was persuaded to give it to her. <laughs> it says that I, look, uh, verse 38, he says, I am persuaded. See, uh, this is how you get fully persuaded faith when you know he loves you. You know, over in Romans, the fourth chapter, he, he's talking about being fully persuaded. Fully persuaded faith comes from being fully persuaded that he loves me. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, I got you now. Like my grandfather said, I got you now. Look at this here. For I am persuaded that neither death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I don't care what the devil do. Can't stop God from loving you, sweetheart. Come on now, my brother. And if he loves you, he's going to care for you. He's going to take care of you. I love my wife. I don't, I'm not in love. I love my wife. Now she tests my love <laughs> last year. But she was fully persuaded. And she said she needed $5,000. <laughs> and uh, she wasn't letting distress, persecution, famine, or nothing stop her from getting it. And so I had to go to God. I didn't have it. And the revelation that I have that God loved me poured from me to my wife. I guarantee you. She got the 5,000, she got the 3,000 first because she wants to finish her school and she needed $3,000. I believe God, he worked that thing out so beautifully. Baby, here's the 3,000. And then the 2,000 because she had to do something else with that that she's going to announce to everybody here because you was like a sister church to us. It's real good. What she did with the 2,000, you're going to see and read about it in a little bit. Amen? God loves me. And she's persuaded in my love, that I love her. She came to me. She know I ain't had no $5,000, but she brought it to me. But I didn't even know I had it. But God knew. Everybody say, love will save today. Let's look at the last verse for the day. And is y'all getting something out of this? Last verse for the day. Remember, faith. We're going to go to one last scripture. But see, condemnation in the Garden of Eden, Jesus, even when, oh, I got to take you there. Can I take you to Mark 11? Is that all right? Turn, go to Mark 11 with me. I got to show you this. Then one last scripture and we're going to close, okay? Look at Mark 11. Watch this. I, I need to give this to you. Mark the 11th chapter. Uh, let's look at verse 15. Hallelujah. Somebody say Hallelujah. Say, say, give us this last little bit, Pastor. 
I'm trying to if y'all let me. I'm <laughs> Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, and on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he, talking about Jesus, was hungry, seeing a fig tree. Say fig tree. Seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find, you know, something on there to eat. And when he came to it, he didn't find nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. They heard him curse the tree with words. Let's go back. Let's go all the way down to verse 20. And in the morning, verse 20, in the morning as they passed by, a whole 24 hours elapsed now. Right, Bishop? I think it's about 24 hours. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw that same fig tree that Jesus cursed 24 hours ago dried up by the roots. Everybody say, words work. Say, faith-filled words work. Say, faith-filled words work. Okay, in the morning, and Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. Watch Jesus' response. Jesus answered, said, have faith in God. Literal Greek text says, have the faith of God. He said, what you saw me use there, Peter, was the faith of God. Verse 23, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, Jesus cursed the fig tree. I checked in the Bible and studied about fig tree. Why did he curse the fig tree? And then he said, you can operate in the face of God after that. The first time figs was ever introduced in the Bible was when Adam and Eve sinned in a garden and they took from a fig tree to cover themselves from their nakedness after they sinned. Remember that? Adam and Eve was wearing salad dressing. <laughs> they, they had figs. They took figs. They had figs to cover themselves. Now, wait a minute. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no covering or remission of sins. They tried to cover themselves by themselves and their own self-righteousness from their condemnation before any blood was shed. Man is still doing that. He's trying to cover himself. He used figs of drugs. He used figs of sex. He used figs of money to cover his unrighteousness. Instead of recognizing that the only thing that can cover you and remit sin from you is the blood of Jesus. They tried to cover themselves with figs. The next thing God did, he made a coat of animals. He killed an animal and covered him with that to let them know that you can't cover yourself in your own self-righteousness without recognizing that you need me to do the covering for you. So Jesus cursed the fig tree. What Jesus was saying was you need to curse anything that you're using in your life that's preventing you from recognizing that my blood that was shed for you and that my love for you will deliver you and your faith will flow. Your faith will remove mountains. Your faith will cause you. When you remove self-righteousness, when you remove condemnation and guilt trying to cover yourself up and recognize that it's by Jesus, What's the theme of this? The theme of this is 
It's all about Jesus. It's not about your figs that you use to cover yourself. Your excuses and the things that you use to cover your nakedness. The thing that can cover, not just cover, but remove your nakedness and your condemnation and your guilt is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's all about Jesus. And when you allow Jesus to free you and allow his love and the fact that he removed the guilt and condemnation from you, you let it settle in your emotions and settle in your thoughts. He says, when you remove that, those figs, he said, the faith of God will work. You can say unto the mountain, be thou removed. He said, what things soever you desire. Self-righteousness and trying to hide behind figs is what stop faith. Everybody say, faith works by love. Last scripture. Turn to Ephesians. This is it for tonight. Ephesians, watch this. Go back, meditate it, study it, and begin to receive the love that God has for you. Amen. Just meditate on the fact that he loves me. When you get up in the morning, say, God loves me. God loves me. Don't worry about you loving God once you really let it settle in. It's that we can't love somebody else until first we recognize that he loved us first. That's what it said in 1 John, didn't it? When you love understand, love to other people will come. See, Jesus was under that Old Testament law, and it said, That's how I love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and all that under the law. That's what he said. But they couldn't do that. Unborn again men cannot love. Nobody was born again yet. That was Old Testament law. That's why there were sacrifices. Under the law is the knowledge of sin. They couldn't do it. God didn't give the law. The law is good. God didn't give them the law so they can do it. God gave them the law so they could see that they couldn't do it and they needed him to do it for them. Amen. That's what the law was about. You still got people keeping the law today. Oh, I got to work for God. I got, it ain't working. You get frustrated. I see them. They come into church. Oh, they come in. I got to work for God. I got to do for God. Oh, and then six months and they gone. I'm trying to tell them, stop trying to do for God. Sit down. Let God do for you. Get a revelation of what he has done and is doing for you. Then love for God will flow out of you freely from a heart filled with love because you have a revelation of his love for you first. People trying to love God without knowing him, without knowing and believing the love that he has to them. Amen. Now, let's look at Ephesians 3, and we're going to close right here. Ephesians 3, let's start at verse 17. That Christ may dwell, this is a prayer that Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, very powerful church. Verse 16, he says, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, the spirit man. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. How? When you are rooted and grounded in the love that he has for you. When you get rooted and grounded that God loved me, you are invincible. Your faith is going to work. Again, faith works by you knowing God loves you. Faith works by love. Not faith works by you loving God. Faith works by you knowing God loves you. When you know God loves you, your faith to receive from God automatically works. Watch this. Rooted and grounded in love. Uh, may be able, watch this, to comprehend with all saints what is the breath and length and depth and height 
of that love that he has for you and to know the love of Christ for you which passes knowledge. And what will happen when you know the love of Christ that he has for you and become rooted and grounded in it? It passes knowledge and then he'll fill you with all the fullness of God. People want to be filled with the fullness of God. The way you get filled with the fullness of God is we're getting a revelation and knowing that he loves me, man. Looking at that cross. Look at that cross. Read that. Watch the Passion movie over and over again. And recognize that that's for you. He, somebody that's going to go through those lanes for you. This is not just a religious story. It just, oh, we showed up on Friday night uh, because it's pastoral. That's good and everything. But no, this is about Jesus and what he did for us. This is about what he wants to do for us, our lives. This church, this community, man, is, is bigger than Mount Olive House of Prayer. It's this whole area. It starts with knowing that Christ loved you. God, you know what? All of the prophecies of the Bible are basically fulfilled. The only thing that's stopping him from coming now is because he does not want one ounce of that blood to go unreached. He got souls on his mind. He's, he's got that net wide. The only reason why you're still here right now after you got saved is because he wants other people to take advantage of that love before he wraps it up, baby. Do you understand me? Now watch this. It says, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Oh my God. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him. He says, now unto him after knowing and after being filled with the knowledge of that, 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 that with the love that passes knowledge that God loves me, that Jesus loves me. Now he is able. Now unto him that is able to do. But wait, why he can do exceeding abundantly? Because you know he loves you. This is the way you can do it. Exceedingly, and what? Not exceedingly, but abundantly. Not abundantly, but above. Not above, but beyond all that you can ask or think according to what? That worketh where? In us. What is that power? The power that comes from knowing that he loves me. Amen. This is a little bit radical. It's a little bit different, but this is Bible. We got to get saturated and drenched in his love for us. And then we can love other people freely. Our faith will work. Amen. Mountain moving faith. Faith worketh by love. You know God loves you. Start just confessing it every day. I get up and I say, I told my wife the other day, I said, me and her, we study together, you know. And I said, you know what? I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. And she said, you know what? I'm the prophetess that he loved. I said, well, I'm the man of God that Jesus loved. She said, and I'm the woman of God that he loved. I said, well, we may as well just let him love both of us together. Amen. Stand on your feet. Hallelujah. Stand up on your feet. Did you receive today? Let's give God some praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I just thank God for the word of God because it is rich. Amen. The word of God is anointed. This is changing my life, y'all. To know that, Hoggett, to know that he loves me and make it personal. Yes, yes. Mm. Sound, that sounds like some of that, that X6 face. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We honor you for this wonderful people. We thank you for the word of love towards us, God. We thank you that our faith is working because we know that you love us. Father, we will develop in this. We will grow in this. And we will allow you to do exceedingly abundantly. Father, some people haven't seen that exceedingly abundantly above and beyond yet. But Father, it's taking place in this house. Amen. It's taking place in the hearts of these people. Manifestation is on the horizon. God, we love you because you first loved us. We are learning how to receive and take the love and know and believe the love that you have toward us. Father, we thank you that you loved us when we wasn't thinking about you. Before we picked up one Bible and learned one Bible verse, you loved us. Before we went into one church and talked to one preacher, you loved us. So we thank you, Lord God, that if you loved us when we were sinners, how much more now being Christians shall you freely give us all things. Father, we thank you for the bishop and the pastor, and we thank you for Mount Olive. We thank you for El Shaddai, those that are not even here tonight. We thank you that you love them, and they'll get a revelation of the love through us in the name of Jesus. Now everybody say this with me. Say, I am the person. The Christian, the son of God, the daughter of God that Jesus loves. And because I know he loves me, because I'm persuaded of his love, because I'm convinced of his love, my faith works. My faith works for healing. My faith works for deliverance. My faith works for freedom. My faith works for advancement. My faith works for wisdom. Because God loves me. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Tribulation can't stop his love. Trials can't stop his love. Famine and poverty can't stop his love. Sickness cannot stop his love for me. I am healed by his love and I believe it. I am prosperous because he loves me and I believe it. I have the wisdom of God because he loves me and I believe it. My marriage is working greatly by his love and I believe it. That man that I'm looking for Say it, that man that I'm looking for or that woman that I'm looking for, just the right one is mine because he loves me and I believe it. In the name of Jesus, I am rooted and grounded in his love and I comprehend with all saints the breadth, the width, the length, and the depths of that love. And I know his love that passes all understanding. And now, because I'm saturated in his love, he is now able to do in me exceedingly, abundantly, 
above and beyond all that I can ask a thing according to the power that love power that's in me in Jesus name now let's give God some praise come on let's give him some praise amen hallelujah I thank God you are healed you are delivered you are set free and God loves you when you get into your car today say I'm the person getting into the car when you put the key in the ignition I'm putting the key into the car I'm the person putting the key in the car that Jesus loves Amen. Let's give God some praise. I give it back to...